Coming up on today's episode, Sports Talk from the Crib. We're getting to Ben Simmons wanting out of Philly and potentially leaving all that money on the table. Will he sit out? We're getting to that Dolphins experience I had this past Sunday. I was live there, 35-0 beatdown. What is next? Dallas run game. Zeke or Pollard? And are we finally going to give Derek Carr some love? Potential MVP candidate this year. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your host, Tanner Christian. So the first topic I want to get into today is my experience, you know, in the Miami season opener, right? Buffalo-Miami, big divisional matchups, one of my marquee matchups I highlighted in week two. I was excited about my, you know, because I'm a big-time Dolphins fan, and I just want to believe. I'm like, yes, this team's finally turning the corner. We're finally doing something right. We had pretty okay, solid defense, got Good corners on the outside, and Howard and Jones. We we made some moves on offensive line, but they never seemed to really work. We drafted a quarterback to a who I'm not a firm believer in, but I was like, you know what? I I kind of got to I just I hope. And the opening of the game was great. The this the atmosphere was awesome, and you, you get into the game in like the second play of the game. Devin Singletary takes the ball route the middle, barely even not even touched actually, touchdown. I'm like, oh no, here it comes. I could tell it was going to be one of those games just from that moment. But like I said, it was awesome experience. Great seats sitting there right in the in-game action. And then you get beat down 35 nothing at home. Miami did not show up at all. Their defense tried to hold stride. In that first half, they kind of it could have gotten ugly even quicker than it did. It was like fourteen nothing. That defense was just hanging on. Offense was just couldn't move the ball. Same kind of offense we saw last year. Quick outs, can't get the ball down the field. Offensive line struggles in pass protection, and then Tua got hurt the second drive. Whack, right in the rib cage. But. And the glaring problem in Miami is this. When an away team comes, they fill the stadium. You look at the whole half of the stadium, nothing but Bills fans. That's been a problem in Miami for a long time. We want to see more Miami fans out of the game. We want to see more Miami jerseys in the stands. But when you look at Miami jerseys, obviously a lot of them got the two of jerseys now. Some got Jalen Waddle, you know, they got Zayvon Howard. Like, there's some people on the team people have. But will you, <laughs> will the majority of it is, though, Dan Marino jerseys, it's all the old timer guys. You see a lot of old, you see Zonka jerseys, you see Zach Thomas jerseys, you see Jason Taylor jerseys, you see a lot of old Dolphins jerseys. You see more of that than you actually see current players, or even current players within the last 10. Like, there's some Cam Wake jerseys. Um, I even have a Cam Wake jersey. But, like, that's the only guy you really see in the last 10 years that people are sporting. Mostly is this old school guys. 
Ricky Williams, you see his jersey. Like, you, I saw so many other jerseys than current players. Way, way more. It's because we don't trust it. <laughs> That's all honesty. We, we kind of just don't trust it. And if we do like a player, we're like, yeah, he'd probably get cut or traded like next week. If I get his jersey. If I get his Xavier Howard jersey, I like the guy. But I was so afraid to get him. I'm like, they're probably going to trade him. Or they're going to cut him. Especially if I thought that when the whole contract dispute was happening again. Kind of initially what I thought. Like, man, shut down corner. He's probably the best guy on the team talent-wise, actually. You know, it's not really saying much. But, like, I want to get his jersey, maybe. And it's like, I don't want to get it because he probably gets traded next week. But obviously, that's not going to happen. But that's just the feeling of a Dolphin fan when it comes to this team that you think. And now... It's been news that Tua Tagovailoa has fractured ribs and he is out this coming Sunday versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, injury-prone guy. I go back to that draft last year, last year when they drafted him over Justin Herbert and I was pissed. Because Justin Herbert is the guy that you should have drafted, first off. But the other first-round picks in that first Draft, you have three of them. You decide to go to an injury-prone. Big-time stability, endurance, like durability is the biggest question when he came in. He was still coming off that huge hip injury. We still draft him at number five. Very next pick, Chargers take Justin Herbert. Look what's happening in Los Angeles. Chargers is a pretty damn good team. And he's come out and balled out. Set rookie touchdown passing record and, and everything. So, he's going toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes and pretty much holding his ground out there in that division. One of the other picks the Dolphins had in that draft was left tackle Austin Jackson. This past Sunday, he looked horrendous. He didn't look like he belonged in the league. Another big-time reach. Good story. Was out of football. Then he, I think he was one of the bone marrow thing. And, and like, it's a great story. But you reached for another guy. It's not working. The other late end of the first round, they drafted corner Noah. Gosh, it's so hard for me to say. It's like incognito way. I don't think that's saying his last name right, but out of corner of Auburn, you can't see the field. Time to hold Chris Greer accountable. He's been in the organization for far too damn long, 20 years, in the scouting department, player personnel, and now he's a GM. Like, what has he done? Nothing. Nothing. He's missed on so many people. And if you miss on three first-round picks in a draft, on three players, then wow. Talk about not drafting right. There's been so many players over the years where we could have drafted instead, and we decided not to. It happens year after year after year, no matter who's calling the shots. But Chris Greer needs to be held accountable for that. And Brian Flores, the head coach. Why in every draft? This, and then this past year, you drafted Jalen Phillips, a guy who quit football for a couple years being at UCLA because of injuries, goes to the U. So you can see him. He's in your own backyard. 
he can't even get any kind of pressure on the quarterback. Now, hopefully, this is only his first couple games, so I don't want to hold it like that. But the other guy out of you and Gregory Russo, who wore number 15 previous year, and I think a lot of people just see that number 15, they thought, oh, Jalen Phillips, like, that's the real number 15. No, it was Gregory Russo. If you watch the games, he popped off on tape more. Questions about his character. But guess what happened Sunday? Guess who was on the other side? Gregory Russo for the Buffalo Bills. Guess what he did? Guess what he did? Guess who he beat? Oh, did he beat Austin Jackson? Oh, did he actually get to the quarterback? Oh, he did. He had a couple sacks. So when you look at this as a fan, that's why we get so pissed. And I hate people to keep defending those these decisions. Tua was not the answer for quarterback. He just wasn't. He isn't. We saw that. Like, I don't understand how you have a guy in Dan Marino who always sitting up there in the press conference or the, the press box and you see it. Justin Herbert looks just like him. The arm talent, just like Marino. Tua doesn't have that. That was one of the questions came coming in. He looks like a typical big, tall, stanchered quarterback can sit in the pocket and fling it and pinpoint his passes wherever he wants. You had Marino. That's what now I swear I really don't understand about this organization. You have the Hall of Fame quarterback. He sits in the press box. If he really thought Tua's going to be better than Herbert, then my gosh, get him out of there too. That's the way I'm feeling. There's no way. I don't believe it for a second that Dan Marino thought Tua was better than Justin Herbert. Not for a second. Gotta be frustrating to see, like, wanting to give him a chance, but it's all right. It's over. It's over. Jacoby Brissett is going to be your starting quarterback come Sunday. He's bigger and he can take some of those blows. He actually he had a couple, you know, really bad mistakes in the game, but the entire team did. At least he could stand up and maneuver a little bit out of the pocket and create a little bit. Of extra time. Tua for some reason can never do that. Bench twice last year. Year two. This is it for him. He's going to come back. He looked the exact same as last year. Oh I didn't know the playbook. Now I kind of do. That was one of his answers in the offseason. Oh I'm getting a little bulkier. Eh. Oh I'm going to. No. He plays way too small in the pocket. He can't get off his first read. If it's not there, he's done. He's a bust. He's going to be a bust. All right, for switching gears now, let's get into some basketball. It's been a little bit since we talked about some basketball. NBA, you know, Ben Simmons. Here's another guy. Here's another guy that has four years. Almost $147 million left on his contract. Officially wants out. 
<laughs> we'll never play a game ever again for Philly is the word out now. Finally. This has been rumored since the season ended. But this is a guy who thinks he's good. A guy who didn't score at all in the fourth quarter when it mattered more, most against the Atlanta Hawks. What are you doing, Ben? Shoot a damn shot. A guy who refused to shoot a shot. This game paid almost $150 million over the next four years. So Doc Rivers came on and said, oh, I'm trying to convince Ben to stay. I want him to stay. If you're a Philly fan, why would you want him to stay? For somebody who comes out here and plays like he did. So Ben Simmons, his Asian Rich Paul, he's like, hey, man, this is going to be kind of hard. He was even honest. Be kind of hard movie. He's like, I don't care. I'm never playing for him again. Uh, Sixers are going to have a right to find him and check this out. This guy has a potential of losing 227613 dollars a game that he doesn't play. A game? $227,613. Now his contract is structured where he receives 50% of his salary for this year on October 1st. He's due $33 million. You know, it gradually goes up over the next four years. Uh, will he be moved? You know, we've seen in a lot of players that take stances like this. Uh, there's been rumors, too, going around, especially Minnesota, Timberwolves, and Portland. He doesn't even care where he goes as long as he doesn't play for Philly. Um, there's been that C.J. McCollum rumor for Ben Simmons and potentially more. Uh, like, what is his trade value? Because I wouldn't, like, Daryl Morey, who's now running things in the, six, in the Sixers, when he came up from the Rockets last year, like, this, if you get anything for Ben Simmons, so be it. We know he's a good defender, great passer and stuff, but, but damn it, shoot the ball. Getting paid almost $150 million, I think he should be able to shoot the ball. But the glaring question is, will he get moved? And... I don't think they're going to get a lot of his value considering how the season ended. And the people are still putting him up there like they want this huge trade package. Like a Damian Lillard trade package. Like, are you crazy? I want to trade a box of crayons for Ben Simmons. I would not even think about it. Anybody who does shows up and put in this... Layups, dunks wide open and passes the ball up from it. To me, this seems like the guy was like throwing games. That's how bad it looked. There's nobody I've ever seen be that scared to shoot the ball. It doesn't make sense. So I wouldn't even trade a box of damn crayons for him. Let that be Philly's problem. I wouldn't want that to be my problem on my team. I'm not trading anybody for him. If I'm the Blazers, I'm not even trying to trade. Even if it's a straight-up deal for some reason, it just say it's a straight-up. She's a McConnell for Ben Simmons. I'm still not doing it. I'm not giving any kind of talent of my players. They get the bottom of the bench for Ben Simmons. I'm not trading anybody for him. 
I wouldn't want that on my team. Ben Simmons, if you're going to sit out, if you really want to give up, over $227,000 a game, go for it, man. Because it's if I'm the Sixers, I play hardball. I don't even trade him unless I get a ridiculous package for him. And I sit there and I find him every time he doesn't show up. Because I'm recouping some of my damn money I gave the kid. At least for the first half of the season. Like, it's the Eastern Conference. You can wiggle in there. The bomb probably with just Joel Embiid. You could probably still finish in that 6-7-8 spot with Joel Embiid alone. If you end up getting a ridiculous package for him, you do it. But I wouldn't trade him for nothing. If I'm another team. If I'm Timberwolves, I don't even want him. If I'm the Blazers, I wouldn't want him. If I'm Mavs, I wouldn't want him. Like, if I'm any team, Warriors, like, they were speculating for that, too. Like, I think it's a bunch of crap. But why would anybody want to trade for him? Doesn't make sense. So, Ben Simmons, I would find him, recoup some of my money, (laughs) at least get some of it back, and then trade him for something. Whoever bites first. That's what I would do. But um, I'm not making the whole decisions there. But Ben Simmons, good luck, my friend. You want to be that kind of a player? $150 million not be able to shoot the ball. Get your money. Relax. That's what you're doing. You're not very good. Not very talented. Man up. And if you want to continue NBA career. But other than that, I don't really give a damn about Ben Simmons. All right, now let's get out of that topic. Gosh, I mean, this, this first couple of topics was just kind of, uh, you know, this frustration, right? Well, let's go back to the Dallas Cowboys. It was a frustrating team. But let's talk about the good here. Talk about that Dallas run game. The defense played pretty damn well. They played all right. They got a few takeaways. And Chargers, they won 2017. Had a big field goal at the end. Like, they snuck out a win. And that was a game I thought, like, my marquee matchup, I was like, hey, Chargers, it's going to be like maybe 30, maybe like 41, 34, or something like that. But there were some costly turnovers from both sides. It was a little bit of a sloppy game. But in particular, I like this Dallas balanced offense. It's amazing when your defense is not on the field for all that time. Game's close. Your run game is, is going damn good. It's more balanced. Dak Prescott's not throwing 60 times. He threw the ball for, what, like 27 times this game? Efficient. Completed 23 of them. But let's talk about that Dallas run game. Zeke Elliott. He had 16 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Tony Pollard, 13 carries, 109 yards, and a touchdown. He averaged a whopping 8.4 yards a carry. With Zeke averaged 4.4. So, Zeke or Pollard? Going forward. I think it needs to be this type of balance. I like it. It's what they need to do on offense. We know they got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. They mix it in the tight ends with Blake Jarwin and, and uh, Dalton Schultz. Michael Gallup was out the last game, but he'll be back. It's got balance. Then it opens up those play actions. Like, remember how they used to do that? This is pound, 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 pound the ball. Play action. Be efficient like that. They got Zach Martin back in the guard position in week two. So that helped out this running game. 
I really like Pollard. I like Pollard especially when he got them all out wide. And CeeDee Lamb, you know, like a three wide receiver set, maybe the tight end's out there too. Uh, and shotgun, like I like Pollard in that. I like bringing Pollard in motion across the field too. And those RPOs, like jet sweeps type things, like that's what I really like about Tony Pollard and what the you know, Dallas Cowboys did. Because Zeke's losing a little bit of a step. Remember, he used to always have like five yards of carries and dip in the past couple of years, especially last year. But, you know, that's when Dak was out and they really didn't have much going on with the team. The defense was horrific. They were playing behind all year. And Andy Dalton was their quarterback. Okay. But um, should it be Zeke or Pollard? And my answer is this kind of... So Zeke's not getting all that wear on his body. It's good to have. Like he did. This is just perfect to me. 16 carries for Zeke, 13 for Pollard. I think it should be something like that going forward. As long as you keep having this balanced run game going. Run the ball. Don't have your defense out there the whole entire game. Don't have Dak throwing 60 times. We know you can do it. But that's not how you're going to win the football game. So until they had 198 yards rushing on the day, 237 passing yards. What balance. Makes sense, Dallas. Don't come out next week and all of a sudden have six carries with Zeke and like four with Tony Pollard have a grand total of 10 carries on the week where Dak throws 54, 55 times. Keep the balance going. And that was just perfect. So Zeke or Pollard going forward, I still like Zeke as a starter. I still like Pollard coming in being, you know, complimentary back. Just when Zeke's like gassed or something. Bring Tony Pollard in and maybe those long third down uh, plays. Have him in there because he has a lot more speed. The guy, guy's pretty damn quick. So that they, that's what Dallas has going for him, and I like it. And the defense can improve as the year progresses. I like Dallas. But it, they're always trying to do something stupid or, or an accident waiting to happen. Something Weird's going to happen to him probably at some point in the season. Like week four or week seven, week 11. Like something always kind of happens in the middle of this all. When you all, when you really think, damn, they're impressive. I like this team. They can win the division. They can win a playoff game. They can be a threat in the NFC. Like when you start thinking that, it's always like something turns and goes the wrong way. But I like the Dallas run game. They need to keep this going forward. And this needs to be their style to win football games this year. I like it. We'll see if they continue it or not, though. <laughs> okay, so for the last topic of the day, I want us to talk about a certain quarterback out west who plays for the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr. I want, like, Raiders, I give them so much flack. Lately, especially in the draft. I thought they had a horrible draft, but they somehow this like come out the gates again. Impressive. John Gruden, I'm like, I was like, when they get to Las Vegas and they open up that stadium, I expect them to like, you know, really like get in the playoff hunt. Maybe not win the division, but really make impact in the AFC, right? That was kind of like my thing when he first became head coach. And then you see him go on. Then you see that horrific defense that's playing so bad. A couple years, they get rid of Khalil Mack. They draft the shuffle everything around. Then this year, they 
get rid of their top three offensive linemen. And you're like, what are you doing? Why are you guys making this these decisions? Now, I mean, maybe a little bit of a mirage because they start off 2-0. Pretty damn big wins. Beat the Steelers past week. Week one, they beat Baltimore Ravens. Like, they're sitting 2-0. And you're like, what? <laughs> huh? It's just like, and the part of that is for Derek Carr. Can we get him back in the MVP ranking again? Maybe he was like that. What was it, like three years ago? Maybe four now? He was in MVP voting before he uh, got hurt. He's a very underrated quarterback. At times you see like misses on the throws and or receivers on the team dropping, or you just see the Raiders just being the Raiders, you know, and being down like 17-7, and all of a sudden Derek Carr just comes up through and starts gunning it, making every single throw. We know he can do it. He made a beautiful pass to Henry Ruggs' pass um, week, and it was touchdown. So let's get into his stats. On the year so far, he's 62 of 93, 817 yards, four TDs and a pick. They're averaging 475 in the yards per game passing. He has 12 passes that he's completed for 20 yards or more. He's tied for first in the league so far in the first two games. 20 yards or more. He's got 12 of them already. So he's getting the ball down the field. Like I said, he had a beautiful pass to Henry Ruggs this past week. Like, he had the game winning to Zay Jones in the first week. Derek Carr's is a pretty damn good quarterback. He's super underrated. Can he keep it up throughout the year? Can the Raiders team keep it up through the year? I don't know if their team can, but I expect their car to be in the mix through the year. Josh Jacobs was out, didn't miss a beat. Offense lineman out, didn't miss a beat. The offense was still clicking. Like, it's crazy to me. It's, it really is like we got to show Derek Carr some love. John Gruden a little bit, but we'll see how it goes, you know, moving forward. But I think Derek Carr needs to be taken seriously for an MVP candidate this year. There's been others that have been balling out. We got Tom Brady being Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford off to a hot start for the LA Rams. Kyler Murray has been unreal. So, like, you're going to have a lot of gaudy numbers, specific weeks for people. We'll see how the, the records speak at the end of the year is what's really going to tell how all this probably unfolds. But, you know, got to give him some credit. Got to give the Raiders some credit. Is he a possible? I expect it. I really do see Derek Carr being meh, in that, like, in terms of top quarterbacks in the league, maybe, like, he's top 10. We're going to put what? Is he in that like seven, eight range now? Maybe six? I'm being serious. Like, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Pat Mahomes, you got Tom Brady, you got Russell Wilson, you got Dak. You know, like Derek Carr? Hey, possibly. You know? So, that's the things we got to look at. Derek Carr is that guy. <laughs> All right, it's time for that marquee matchup of the week. Week three, 
You know what this one's going to be. Tampa Bay Bucks at the LA Rams, a potential NFC championship standoff. Because these are my two teams coming out of the NFC. So we could get a little preview here. Both teams start off the season hot 2-0. Brady and Stafford are like MVP candidates, in my opinion, this year. We're going to be like that for the whole year. Um, Tom Brady, 655 yards so far, nine touchdowns, two picks. Stafford's fitting in well, 599 yards, five TDs and a pick. Cooper Cup's been his go-to guy, 271 yards and three touchdowns. So that Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford duo's been working out pretty good. Tom Brady's got his boys. You know, uh, Gronk, of course, they're connecting on half his touchdowns almost. Uh, Chris Godwin's had a pretty good start. Mike Evans came live last week. So it's like, who do you going to stop? Tom Brady could one week just throw the one guy. and it, Okay, you want to cover Mike Evans? I'm going to Chris Godwin. Or you want to get cover Chris Godwin? I'm going to use Grunk more. Like, it's some pretty impressive bucks on the year so far. Average of 30 at 9.5 points a game. 27 against. Rams are 30.5. And, and 19 against. So the Bucks defense has struggled a little bit. Uh, they're especially struggling in the secondary. Got a lot of injuries happening right now. Uh, but they've been stout against the run, only giving up 67 yards a game. You know, that run defense is very stout. Rams, they're going up. Their defense, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, going to have the hands full. But that's going to be an intriguing matchup. Offensive line versus Aaron Donald. I like Leonard Floyd, too, for the Rams. And Jalen Ramsey in that secondary. Who's going to. Who's he going to be uh, covering for the game? Antonio Brown may be out. He is in COVID protocol now. It's just, that's just been announced. So that'd be one weapon that Tampa is out with this coming uh, Sunday. Um, but it's very intriguing matchup. I can't wait for this matchup. I'm, I expect points in this game. Matthew Stafford versus Tom Brady. Stop sleeping on Matthew Stafford, guys. Stop sleeping on my boy in L.A. I love Matthew Stafford. Hey, there's another quarterback you could throw in there. I was, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, no, I was just messing. Hopefully I didn't miss, uh, miss any more people from that QB list. I was kind of real quick, like off the top of my head. But Matthew Stafford is another guy in there in that mix. Like I like him better than Derek Carr. Put it that way, so maybe Derek Carr moves a little bit back. But, um. This is uh, Tom Brady last year only completed about 54% in that loss to the Rams last year. He just he did struggle a little bit in last year's matchup, but it's a different team. It's that they brought everybody back. They won Earth Super Bowl champs. So this is my marquee matchup. Who would I expect to win? I actually am picking the Rams in this game. I've gone against Tom Brady plenty of times in the past. Kind of nervous about this, but it is in L.A. And I think this would be the best, this is the best defense Tampa's faced yet this year. And I really like the matchup with the struggling secondary in Tampa. I like Matthew Stafford with the Cooper Cup connection. Maybe Robert Woods gets more in the mix this week. Um, but I like the Rams in the matchup. I'm going with them. I don't know if I should go against Tom Brady. He burns me so many times. But I'm asking in this matchup, I'm going Rams. I don't know if I want to do a score. Maybe I'll do a score. 34-27. I don't know if it's going to be that high now. We'll see. But I like the Rams this coming Sunday. And then my marquee week three matchup.
And that's going to do it for today's episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. Thank you for joining me here with your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. Remember, we're streaming live on a Monday and Wednesday, available on all streaming platforms. So go check us out. Be sure to follow the official website at FuelyHeatEntertainment.com. That's FuelyHeatENT.com. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on the social media networks at FuelyHeatENT on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for the latest action there. And check out the merch store on the website as well. Got some cool merch up there. It's a great way to support the show. Uh, thank you all for joining me again. Catch you all Monday. See ya.